0: In this episode, we're talking about why we don't use risk assessments and what we use instead. Controversial, I know, but don't worry, we promise we're not just reckless cowgirls. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we record today, the Kabi Kabi and Gubbi Gubbi people. We recognize a continued connection to the land and beautiful waters of this place, and we recognize Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as the original custodians of this land. And acknowledge that they never ceded sovereignty. We respect all Cubby Cubby and Gubby Gubby elders, ancestors and emerging elders and any First Nations people listening today. Welcome to Raising Wildlings, a podcast about parenting, alternative education and stepping into the wilderness, however that looks, with your family. Each week we'll be interviewing experts that truly inspire us to answer your parenting and education questions. We'll also be sharing stories from some incredible families that took the leap and are taking the road less travelled. We're your hosts Vicky and Nikki from Wildlings Forest School. Pop in your headphones, settle in and join us on this next adventure. Today we're chatting about why we don't use risk assessments when educating children and what we use instead. Now don't worry, we're not rogue cowgirls setting out to destroy the nature play industry. We obviously do risk assess or we wouldn't be here talking to you today, we just do it with a mindset flip and in a different way. But before we get stuck into how we actually do them, let's cover a bit of background knowledge on risk assessments. So here in Australia, as of March 2022, so this year, a CEQA, for those of you that are international may not know, that's short for the Australian Children's Education and Care Quality Authority and is essentially our industry authority or sector authority, have, after many, many, many years of asking, finally given the sector a risk assessment template to model from. Hallelujah. It even covers the outdoor environment. Yay. They also have an excursion risk assessment plan that you can use for your bush kindy if you go off site. It's a simple model and it's perfectly good to use. You will need to create it from scratch, but there are plenty of examples that you can take inspiration from on the internet, so it's very doable. Fantastic. Uh, what about schools? Well, most schools in here in Australia, particularly state schools, have access to completed risk assessments. So for example, if I wanted to teach children some table tennis in a school, I can look up the curriculum activity risk assessment and I would find a completed risk assessment on all things table tennis. Lovely. So for schools, it's easy. If it fits within the realm of the curriculum, it's covered. However, if it doesn't fit, for example, you need a risk assessment to run campfires, you'll need to create your own. It doesn't mean you can't do it. You just need to create your own risk assessment around it. Now, again, there's plenty online you can take inspiration from. The education department's template is lengthy and wordy. And personally, I find it difficult to sort the forest from the trees. And by that, I mean, it can be difficult to see the really important parts of that risk assessment. For example, the control measures, which I would say are probably the most important. However, again, it's totally doable. It's there. There's a template. There's examples. So with all of these great templates and all this inspiration online that you can use, why do most people typically avoid doing risk assessments like the plague? Have you had to do risk assessments at your workplace? Have a think about how you felt when you were told or you realized that you were going to be the person in charge of creating them. Most people hate writing risk assessments for some of these reasons. Firstly, they can feel really boring frankly it's not typically the kind of work most of us froth on particularly as educators we want to get in and teach and inspire we don't want to be doing policies and risk assessments it's not creative writing and it just feels like it's something we have to do not what we would choose to do if we go back to my last ep- our last episode about uh, how people learn an autonomy when we're made to do things our intrinsic motivation disappears so it's it's no wonder when we're told to do them that we have less inclination to do them Mainly though, it can feel really scary being the person responsible for creating them. We can feel this fear of getting it wrong and in turn we can feel a fear of litigation in our society. It can feel overwhelming, it can feel too hard, it's out of our comfort zone and our zone of genius. You might wonder if you've missed anything or if you've rated the risk wrong and then what the consequence of that for you might be. It can be really time-consuming. I can't even begin to tell you how many days of work we've put into our risk assessments, what that we don't call them that, (laughs) over the years. They are an ever evolving document. They're not something you can do once and put away. There's something that needs to be reflected upon and edited to and added to as we all learn new things or our environment or our children change. This takes a heap of time. And unfortunately, time is something we often need to fight for in our typical educational workplaces, so schools and centres and other settings. Another reason you might not like doing them is that they tend to only focus on the negatives and it can be really scary to talk about death and permanent injuries. It can make us doubt our decisions and choices to do certain activities with children, But we need to remember that the reality is you could die from a meteor or being hit by a bus tomorrow. We need to talk about the hazards so that we can make our spaces safe for children without minimizing their experiences and without watering down their childhood and what it means to be a child in all of its glory. I used to, and I'm sure that you did too, do what many people would consider dangerous things all the time as a child You know, I'd regularly climb up on the roof of a house as a child, whether that was with my siblings or with friends, just to eat snacks and look down at the world. I'd tear around on motorbikes over terribly built jumps that we'd build ourselves. We learnt to drive and shoot at 10 and play chicken with big waves on rocky outcrops. You know, shock horror. It does seem shocking as a parent now, but I know that many of you also did these things at children. Have a think about all the things that you did. But then also think about what you learned and what has stayed with you for the rest of your life. What has possibly saved you from truly dangerous situations in the future or as an adult? I know as an adult that I'm super grateful for these experiences. They've taught me to know what's best for me and my body. I've learned to make and trust my own decisions. I've learned to listen to my intuition finally. I do, even if I do say so myself, I'm very resilient. I have grit. I I'm comfortable facing my fears knowing that I can overcome them. This is because I had those experiences as a child. Now, if we bring back the reasons we do risk assessments, we need to think about who we should really be creating these risk assessments for. Typically, we actually do them to prove in a court of law that we've considered the hazards involved in running our setting or an excursion or activity. But have we, you know, have we considered every single possible thing that can go wrong in this activity? Obviously, most of us can say yes, because in this sector, we love and advocate for children. We don't want to harm children. The reason we're in this is because we love working with them. Their safety is our priority. But we need to remember as children's advocates that their development and their overall well-being, their emotional and social health is also must also be a high priority for us. So what if we flipped the question and also asked ourselves what the benefits are for children in doing this activity or excursion? Because ultimately, the children should be our first stakeholders and their development as whole, healthy and rounded children should be equal to their safety. So what if instead of focusing on the negatives only, we focused on the positives too, What if we asked ourselves what the children would be missing out on if they didn't do this activity? What if we asked ourselves what the long-term dangers are of cotton-wooling our children for the entirety of their childhood? And also what would happen if we asked our insurance companies what the dangers are of cotton-wooling our children for the entirety of their childhood is? When are we going to start suing them for the repercussions of making our children sit still and not do anything remotely risky. i let you think about that for a while. <laughs> now again, rest assured, we are not reckless cowgirls. While we don't do risk assessments, we do do risk benefit assessments, which is essentially a risk assessment, but with a great big fat extra column that includes all all the good things children reap from playing with risk. Climbing trees, cooking over fire, whittling with pocket knives. It doesn't matter actually what the hazard is. It could be walking down the road, not even down the road. It could be walking in your setting. So that when our adult stakeholders wonder if the low risk of a child cutting their finger on a pocket knife, just like they could with a kitchen knife, is worth the risk, we can prove that it is by showing them all the ways children are benefiting and all the things children are learning from these activities. The result is a more equally balanced view of the activities that we run. Instead of just focusing on the negatives and the what-ifs, we all focus on the positives, what they could be missing out on. And it's a really gentle reminder that we aren't doing these activities willy-nilly, that they are purposeful, meaningful activities. It's also a really great way to show the difference between risk and perceived risk. So, for example, you know, how was using a kitchen knife different to using a whittling knife? And how was a sharp pencil different to a stick? When you look at a pencil and a stick, you could poke your eye out with either of them. But we don't take pencils away from children in classrooms. So why should we take sticks away from children when they're at play? Instead of taking away this cheap, free, natural, sustainable, open-ended, imaginative play resource, we can put in control measures and teach children safety guidelines to minimise the hazards. And then in our risk-benefit assessment, we also show all the benefits of children playing with sticks. Better spatial awareness as they become aware of the necessary safety circle or bullet bubble they need to keep around them as they play. You know, the creative and imaginative players as they become warriors and wizards and conductors. Or the social communication and negotiation skills as they navigate the rules of the new games that they've created together. Fine motor skills, you know, gripping onto the stick in different ways to write or draw or turn someone invisible with their magic wand or just mindfulness as they gently draw patterns in the sand and have time to process their emotions. We make the benefits column the first column after we describe what the activity is, making sure that the benefits become our main priority of the risk assessment matrix. It's simply a mindset flip, and it helps everyone focus on the benefits as much as the potential hazards. We also like to add another column right at the end and we call call this the children's voices. So, for example, if the children are scrambling over some rocks, you could document a child telling another child, might be little Daisy, hey, Nikki, watch out, those black rocks are slippery. We can add that they're children and we can show people why these broader nature experiences are needed and how they help empower children to make their own decisions by giving them more opportunities to risk assess for themselves. If we want our children to have resilience, grit and self-confidence, then we need to give them more opportunities to make their own decisions and play freely in nature and experience these things for themselves. So by adding that risk benefits column to your risk assessment, and the voice of the children in your program or setting, then you're reminding everyone who the true stakeholders are and what is truly at stake. And that is childhood and fully rounded, confident, empowered adults. Now, if you're looking to begin your own nature play business, then you'll definitely want to check out our online course, Your Wild Business, because in it we go into risk-benefit assessments in immense Detail. Everything that we have learnt over the past five and a half years is in there. Yes, we give you a blank template that you can use, but even better, we give you a fully completed risk benefit assessment that covers all things nature play. And it's just one of 36 different lessons across three separate modules everything from getting insurance to over 30 completed policies and procedures. We give you every software program that we use to automate our business and give us more time to spend outdoors ourselves. Essentially, again, it's everything we've learned the hard way over the past five and a half years. It's a nature play business Kickstarter program like no other. There's literally nothing else that like it out there. And it's made specifically teachers, forest school leaders, outdoor reckeys and early years educators who have had enough of the system or are just ready to take the leap into the big wild world of owning their own business. Now we'll be opening the next round of our course at the end of November and we will be offering some free training in the leader. So if you're keen to join our growing group of change makers or just curious about what this entails you can head over to wildlingsforestschool.com forward slash Wild Dash business and join the waitlist to be on your way of creating a nature play business that's deeply rooted in community values and purpose. Together, we can get more children outdoors, reaping the benefits of being outdoors, deeply connected to nature and community. So, until then, stay wild.